Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money in Investing show. This week we are discussing has inflation peaked? Tale of two stories here and in the US as you're about to hear. Make sure you take plenty of notes and most importantly, take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money in Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Fresh outfit, fresh haircut, I can see there, looking good today. Looking sharp. Good stuff. Well, speaking of hitting your peak, which by the looks of it, you are certainly now in your older age, we're going to talk about whether or not we're at peak inflation. Very timely conversation. We've just had new data come out in the US and a good follow-up from our conversation that we had back in May, episode 22, I think it is, where we spoke about this exactly. Okay, so I think if I recall back in May, we asked the question, are we at peak inflation? And the answer was an outright no. Absolutely no. And uh, here we are uh, at the time recording, at least in November, that maybe we are starting to see that, at least in the US. I don't think we are in Australia. So last week we saw the US Consumer Price Index, CPI, as it's uh, referred to, come in at 7.7%, which is you know, massively outside the bounds and boundaries that are set for, for, for the inflationary target but not as high as previous months and certainly um, a little less than expectations, which came as probably no surprise given how um, aggressive the US Federal Reserve have been in terms of raising interest rates. And I think what's important for our listeners to understand, just because we're seeing a lower inflation reading does not mean prices are going down. That is not deflation. We're just seeing them increase less yeah. quickly. Look, you know, the party, oh, inflation's over, it's starting to fall. And don't get me wrong, that's a good outcome. Uh, don't expect to lower cost of living on the back of it because prices very, very rarely come down. And I actually had a fairly uh, spirited conversation with somebody on, on social media over the weekend about that. Um, when we're talking about the strategy for inflation, they're going, well, inflation's finished, it's dropping now. And that's just simply not the case. With you know inflation at 7.7% you know, in the US, that's going to take a couple of years to work itself out of the system, number one. Well, targets, what about 2 to 3%? Yeah, is that two correct? 2 to 3% is a healthy level of inflation. You need to have inflation uh, because you know, it, it is indicative of a growing economy. Um, it puts some onus on people to spend money because it will be more expensive if you don't next year versus deflation where you don't need to spend money because it will be cheaper next year, uh, which is a really dangerous uh, roundabout to kind of get on. So the conversation I had with the person was, look, just, just, just because prices are falling, or, or sorry, inflation is falling, prices won't fall. And they said, well, they will if there's no. No, the inflation is dropping. It's, no, no. Inflation is the rate of change up in the price of an asset. And if the rate of change of prices moving up is slowing, that doesn't mean to say the thing is getting cheaper. And it was tantamount to you go to work on Monday and say to your boss, okay, well, um, yeah, I see inflation figures are coming down. They go, yeah, so we're giving you a pay cut. That, that, that doesn't happen. Definitely not. Well, I hope not. So, uh, <laughs> might be an idea, actually, much rather. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, it's 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 certainly there to stay. But the US have been pretty aggressive in terms of their, you know, three quarter percent, seventy five basis point raises in rates, four of them in a row, um, which is again unprecedented. And and that sort of sledgehammer approach has has maybe seen us see a peak in US inflation. But you know, that's not necessarily the same everywhere and some of the reasons for the US and perhaps why it may be peaking. Number one, obviously, the central bank has been significantly more competent than ours uh, when it comes to managing the inflation issue. But number two, the US dollar has also appreciated you know, quite substantially. And as a result, um, the US hasn't been importing inflation from other countries. Uh, what I mean by imported inflation, you know, it doesn't sort of arrive by FedEx. If, if you buy goods and services from overseas, and the cost of producing them um, has moved up and you've got a relatively weak 
currency, what you're doing is importing more expensive goods and having to pay more based on the currency conversion rate. So you're getting kind of a double whammy. And that's actually a factor that's hit the UK quite hard because the UK imports a great deal of uh, material because it's, uh, you know, it's, it runs quite a substantial trade deficit. And also largely as a consequence of the, you know, the failed economic policies of the shortest serving Prime Minister Liz Truss, um, the pound has sort of got trounced, I think, in the, in the, in the currency markets, meaning that you know, the UK is now not only dealing with inflation, but it's also importing inflation from pretty much most other countries around the world. So we think about us here in Australia, AB, our inflation figure most recently, 7.3%, yeah. and expected to go higher. Oh, I think it's got more to go here for sure um, on a number of metrics. Number one, um, our central bank is really pussyfooted around uh, in terms of its response. Well, number one, there was just the, yeah, look, you go back through our podcast, I almost sound like a broken record, but I guess you know we've been right on this and, and, and we continue to be right in terms of how we're calling it. Um, you know, Philip Lowe has been a disgrace as a central bank governor. The, the denial that there was any need to move interest rates up until 2024, of course, was the initial statement. And the reason that's such a negligent statement to put out there is it's given many, many people a false hope and window for borrowing where they feel that they're safe to borrow you know, decent quantities of money to get into the property market, for example. And OK, yes, by the way, you've got to be responsible for your own decisions. But when you get guidance from the central bank governor and it's just manifestly not correct, uh, people base a lot of decisions on that. And then the notion, oh, we'll just got a quarter point here and a little slither there and we'll slow it down because we don't want to push ourselves into a recession. The reality, and I say this as an economist, I'm obviously not a central bank governor, but you know, as, a, as an economist, I think you'd much rather be dealing with a recession than inflation because it's much easier to, to, to kickstart a, a country that's in a, in a recession than it is dealing with inflation. It's very, very hard to rein in. And just to stop you there, AB, do you think that's where we're at at the moment, whereby rates go up, we force a, re a recession, or rates don't go up as quickly and we have sustained inflation? Yeah. Well, there are your two options, A or B. Uh, and I think you know the RBA has played their cards quite poorly. They got to the party late. They haven't really been aggressive enough in what they've done, which is why despite uh, moving interest rates up, we're still seeing inflation gain more momentum and their expectation is for it to continue to do so. So, yeah, fairly percent by the end of the year. Yeah. They so say. If, if you do the, the, the so that's a, a further 10% increase on current price rate. Yet our inflation, sorry, our rate hikes have been nowhere near as aggressive as the US. Why, why would that be? I think it's this softly, softly approach. Oh, we'll just gently rein this in. And unfortunately, inflation is a is a is a is a nasty beast with fangs, as people are starting to discover. Um, that once it gets momentum, it goes across everything and almost becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. So, yeah, if you if you look at a really simple example of this, so let's take take farming. So. Meat prices were higher because we've had a drought uh, and, uh, and and uh, and various other structural uh, issues within the farming community. So meat prices were already high, and then the cost of production. Because you know, if you think about it, there's diesel involved with farming, there's corn involved with feedlots, and so on and so forth. All those commodity prices have gone up, so it pushes the price of meat up higher. Which means when you go to the supermarket, you then have to pay more for it. Which means you need to earn more. Uh, which means as you're now earning more, you've now got more money to spend. So there's more capacity for that meat to be priced higher for you still to buy it until that cash is taken out of the economy by higher interest rates effectively. And that's how interest rates control inflation. Uh, it's called monetary policy. It's probably one of the more responsive ways of trying to deal with, with inflation. And, and 
it's one of those things. I think you, you can't make a threat. You've actually got to follow through uh, when you when you manage an economy in that way to say, look, we're thinking about raising interest rates. You go bang, and you've got to have a fairly you know opening strong opening gambit there to say, look, we're not messing around with this. We're going to rein it in because it starts to then spiral. Because if your wage costs have gone up, your landlord knows you've earned more, so they'll put the rent up a little bit more, and then yeah, and the whole thing just expands outwards and becomes very very difficult to. You can't put the pin in the balloon. It's like an overly inflated balloon, and you can't put the pin in the balloon so it'll pop. You've got to just slowly let the air out of it to get it back to normal. Uh, and if you go too hard, it is putting the pin in the balloon. It pops. The economy is in a recession. If you just gradually let the air out, you can rein it in. And the US, I think, have done an okay job of that, even though they've come out pretty hard. Well Be- telegraphed. Mm. They've been extremely clear in what they're doing, whereas here in Australia we haven't been. So, no, I think we've got further to move up um, in, in our inflation. And because our currency is relatively weak, especially versus the US dollar, I really don't envy you your US trip at Christmas. It's going to be pretty punchy when you're drinking a, uh, a you know, $25 Aussie beer. But uh, good job you don't drink much. Um, <laughs> you know, the reality is that, you know, we're going to start importing a lot of inflation. And, and, and with our weaker currency, uh, because our interest rates haven't moved up as aggressively, say, as the US to maintain some some form of parity, um, it becomes you know, a, a bigger problem for us here. Uh, and I think it's going to be here to stay, certainly until the central bank gets its act, to, act together. You know, I think they've had one eye on the property market. We don't want to destabilise that because it's so important and you can't build an economy out of one pillar. Okay, so to, to kind of to wrap that around, AB, US, we saw 9.1% inflation reading at peak. We're now back down at sort of 77 mm. If we look at the US in particular, specifically for a second, we're expecting inflation to slow down. Is that correct? I think that's the the general consensus. I mean, you know, we've had one data point and and I think sometimes the the biggest difficulty again you wouldn't want to be one for all the all the tea in China. The um the decisions you're making are real time based on historical data and they don't have an impact for several months. It's a really difficult and that's I guess why you've got in some instances pretty smart people in those roles. Um the, the PPI figure that's due out, I think, is going to be a better indicator as to where things are at. And if that's also softer, I think, yes, we have seen peak inflation. Um, if that's not that soft, if it's, it's stubbornly high, I don't think it's over yet. And, you know, we're also you know, looking at energy prices that are reasonably stable right now, and they could potentially, you know, run higher into the back end of the year with geopolitics and everything else in that sort of space. Uh, and that might be a kick along to, to, to give us a little bit more of an inflationary problem again, um, going going through the back end of the year and into the new year. Uh, but by and large, I think, yeah, their, their strategy of hitting it hard has worked quite well. It's, it's taken a bit of the wind out of the sails. Um, and, and, and they can likely reap the reward of that, and they may well even avoid recession which is, you know, given how strong the job market is there uh, still, um, is, is a realistic possibility. So it's been managed thus far pretty well. So with that, if we're expecting that, we'd also expect slowing rate hikes from the US Fed. Mm. With that, what kind of investment opportunities would you see fit? Would you consider maybe tech in that example? Yeah, I think high multiple companies where they've got a, like a really high PE um, typically do better during times of lower inflation. Their future earnings are worth more. Um, so in that respect, I think that's 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 quite attractive. If you've got companies that carry you know substantial levels of debt, infrastructure companies, good example of that, um, and, and rates start to come down, the cost of servicing that debt is is, is reduced, which is good for the bottom line. Um, but I think you know your staples typically, while well, people are coming to terms with 
the fall stall? Is it, is it genuinely is inflation coming down and things are going to not not be as painful for us or not? And they still moderate their their spending. It takes a, there's a lag factor, if you will, between you know, the economic data and the reality in someone's hip pocket. So you might have a couple of months before you start to see the consumer sort of getting the wallet out of their pocket a little bit more freely as well. So there's definitely a lag there. But I think staples, probably consumer staples, groceries, things like that, should probably do quite well. Um, and again, you know, a lot of people are doing it tough because just because inflation is slowing down, it doesn't reduce the cost of living and a lot of people are struggling to make ends meet. So I, I do believe that, you know, those areas that we've talked of previously, you know, Dollar Tree, uh, Ollie, um, you know. Uh, the, Ross stores. Yeah, the Ross stores, those sorts of discount type businesses are still really well positioned to, to capitalise on a, a bit of a shell-shocked consumer, I think. Um, over here in Australia, different kettle of fish altogether because I, I don't think we're, we're at the end of it. And I think that the, the failure to move aggressively quickly enough and, and on a more sustained basis is going to be something that the RBA rue because it's going to take them an awful lot longer to get inflation under control. So if you're looking here in Australia, we're expecting inflation to increase as the RBA made mention yeah. of. Mm. And for whatever reason, we're still doing only 25 basis points on a rate hike, despite mm. having higher expectation inflations. What would you be looking for from an investment opportunity here locally? Yeah, I'd be very, very careful. I think the strategy that we've talked of uh, to a lot of the clients is that just keep the scoreboard ticking over scoring singles. Don't be looking to shoot the lights out. So if there's an opportunity to sort of shoot for and bank you know, a small but regular profit, they're the sorts of trades I would be looking at. Things like hold the strike has been quite handy in terms of one of our strategies for that. Yeah, you know, buying rights um, where you can be in and out of a a trade in a couple of weeks and defined, I suppose, by being a little bit more of a volatile trade um, in the first instance to make it worthwhile doing that. They're the sort of areas I'd, I'd, I'd most likely be looking at, but it's very, very hard to have a really strong sector view when you've got a, an RBA that, that have been reluctant to, to sort of squeeze the trigger. Uh, and, and you don't know how they're going to go about doing that because they've been really opaque with their, their commentary as well. And then if they're confronted with data that's really ugly in terms of you know, runaway inflation still, uh, do they have the, the spine and the ability to swallow their ego enough to go, right, we need to go a bit harder here. Here's 50 basis points or 75 to get this under control. There'd be a lot of political pressure on that given... You know, homeowners in particular, you know, 66% of Australians are homeowners um, and, and a good many of them have joined the market in the in the recent sort of bonanza. Um, you know, if you start moving rates really aggressively up, it's already getting prohibitively expensive for some people to service their debt. And, and, and that's a very real spectre. But the RBA's job isn't to support the property market, it's to ensure we've got a robust and, and, and uh, I guess, sound uh, structural economy uh, with inflation in particular under control. And it's not at the moment. It's funny when you look at the economy here in Australia and I just simply look at the comments that Phil Lowe made at his mm. most recent statement, expecting higher inflation towards this year and then Q1 next year and then potentially mm. slowing. He also made mention of the fact though that he's expecting quite an uptick in unemployment. So I guess mm. if they're hinting at the fact that they're a little bit behind the eight ball, they have to go pretty hard once it starts getting out of hand, mm. you might even start to see the labour market struggle here more so than the US. I think so. I mean, you know, the, the labour market has been really quite robust in the US and look, you know, it's kind of helped that you've got a, a, an inflow of cheap labour uh, climbing over the fence wall or, or gateway uh, on the southern border. Um, but, you know, the US economy has been, you know, pretty, pretty strong from a labour market perspective. Here in Australia, we've got 
a number of structural inefficiencies in our labour market in that, you know, if you look at people on benefit versus pre-pandemic levels, there are more people still receiving benefit than pre-pandemic, yet we've got an economy that's run way, way past that. So, you know, our social security system is a little bit different, which maybe provides people, and I'll probably get some hate mail for, for saying this, but, you know, I, I think that the, the statistics and facts speak for themselves. If you've got a, a less uh, warm blanket to hug um, it's more inclined to push you into the job market. And given the fact that, you know, there's an absolute shortage of labour out there, yet you've got long-term unemployment and people that are remaining long-term unemployed still sitting there, you've got to have a bit of an overhaul, I think, of the welfare system and support network if you want to get that labour market running at the most efficient level it can be. And that's if you are able to work, you probably should be. Plenty of challenges right now. I think we're at that that key point, really, aren't we? Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, I guess, you know, these are why these guys, you know, they've got their hands on the big controls that control the, um, you know, the the, the ebb and flow of our economy. Um, And let's hope they do a good job of it. And in some instances, as I say, it's it's hard to lay any criticism at Jerome Powell uh, in the US. He's been exemplary in terms of the way that he's, he's managed market expectations and he's, yeah, they got to the party late, but they've they've corrected that by going out hard and doing what needs to be done. And I go back to Philip Lowe. It, you know, the, the, it's just been very opaque dialogue and 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 not the definitive and decisive action that's required in order to rein inflation. And that's why, despite having a number of interest rate rises, we still have rising inflation, and it hasn't peaked in Australia. Um, be interesting to see what his annual performance review looks like. If his boss, if he has one, sits down and says, okay, let's evaluate your year this year. Do you think you've done a good job? <laughs> well, I wonder if he starts to bring inflation down, does he too take a pay cut? <laughs> well, pretty well paid central bankers typically, <laughs> although uh, yeah, some of them have a career outside. I mean, Jerome Powell's had a very extraordinary career uh, outside. I think, was it not Black, where was he? He was at... Um, Boston, was it Boston Consulting, I think. He, you know, he's kicked some pretty big goals in his professional career Interesting. Uh, prior to moving into into that role. And uh, maybe those business lenses that he's looked through have helped him with uh, the way that he's managed the economy there. But yeah, it's chalk and cheese at the moment, what's going on in the US versus here. And don't get me wrong, there are some big flaws in the US too. You know, that absence of social security and the endemic levels of, of, of homelessness, for example, is, is terrible. And it really is. There's a huge imbalance of wealth there. Um, you know, it's possibly a subject for another type of podcast. But yeah, the reality is, I do think we've seen, you know, very, very close to, if not, we've had peak inflation in the US and we're a long way from that here. And it's just down to down to the action of our central banks. And all in all, the advice is don't try and hit a home run. No. Just t- keep the scoreboard ticking over, keep cheeky singles. Keep the scoreboard ticking over, cheeky singles, nothing trying to hit the boundary, not the, not the market for that. And I think those times will come as we see this market base out and there'll be plenty of time for that. And that's why having your powder dry is key. Um, so yeah, keep the scoreboard ticking over with some singles, keep yourself market fit, um, but you know, don't be going out on a limb with anything that's you know, outrageously risky or speculative. Just keep it straight, meat and potatoes. Not like England last night in the uh, T20 Cup final? After I think the England the, the weekend English sport had uh, losing to, uh, to Samoa in the Rugby League Cup, it was nice to come home with, with some form of silverware. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and let's see how they go in the uh, Soccer World Cup, which isn't too far away. Great bowling by Sam Curran too. He did a very good job. There you go. See what you were doing last night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, AB, thanks very much for your time today. Great insight, great information. Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.